Good morning and welcome to WSAU Feedback. I'm Meg Ellison. Thanks for joining me this morning. I have a smile on my face because I'm talking with one of my favorite guests, our friend Brian Shimming, frequent guest on the program, now the chair of the Republican Party of Wisconsin. He's calling. He got up early for us. Thank you so much for doing that. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm I'm doing fine. Was a little under the weather last week, and so I wasn't able to make your uh, your Supreme Court event over the weekend. But everything I hear was that it went great, so I was excited. Yes, yes, it did. We we managed to go on without you, Brian. It was tough. It was almost I, I'm, 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 I, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I <laughs> contemplated canceling it without without yeah, the, well, without yeah. the star. <laughs> well, sure, but well, next 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 time I'll have to do twice as good a job. Yes, well, if is that even possible? No. So we, uh, I want to. I'm sure our listeners are like, oh, so what? He's up at eight o'clock. Well, he's actually you're in California at some RNC meetings, and so it's six ten a.m., which I I do have some empathy for because I'm up much earlier than that every day, but right. uh, it's. I mean, it's with probably with jet lag and everything else. It's it's and 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 also having been not a hundred percent recently, it's it's probably taking a toll. But so what uh, what can you say? I mean, before we dive into the state of the state, what can you say about the meetings and what what's the what's the main what are some of the main objectives when you're there this week? Yeah, main objectives. They only get together a couple times a year, so it's really an opportunity for state chairs to talk to each other. We elect leadership. We, um, uh, and this will be my first one because I just got elected chairman on December 10th, so I, I really don't know any of the other chairs. So, uh, I, but I got in late. I, I flew to Minneapolis and then out to California. We got out of we got out of Minneapolis about 45 minutes late. So by the time I got here, it was pretty well into the evening. So I didn't really get a chance to talk to folks. But today, a lot of meetings, uh, electing leadership, kind of talking about the common issues amongst all the parties, which is uh, getting turnout, taking on the left, taking on the Biden administration. And the truth is, from Wisconsin, because we will have the next Republican National Convention in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be a lot of focus on that. Uh, We have a reception tonight. Uh, for the Milwaukee host committee out out here tonight and another one back in Milwaukee next week. So a lot of talk about that convention and what we need to do, frankly, to get rid of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So did you uh, have a warm welcome from California's governor when you arrived in arrived last yeah, night? Yeah, I... I uh, yeah, I was flying into the airport, and when we got low enough to see what was going on around Santa Ana, I looked out the window to see if the lights were still on. But uh, So the state seems to still be operating in spite of itself. But I also do understand, you know, why people are escaping. I was talking to my uh, to my Uber driver on the way in, and, um, you know, he was probably politically right of center. That was the sense of it. And, uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, we sure do a lot of goofy things out here. And I was like, yeah, you sure do. And, you know, and people were sharing stories of folks who had moved out of California and gone to Texas or Arizona or resettled somewhere else because California is just so hostile to entrepreneurs and to uh, taxpayers and to people who just want to live a normal life. Imagine you know, supposedly footloose and fancy-free California, and now they're telling everybody how to live. 
Well, that sounds familiar here in Wisconsin, yeah, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, great. Yeah, great, great transition. Thanks for the segue with uh, regard to last night's state of the state. I did. I just did briefly speak with before the eight o'clock hour. I did speak with Senator uh, Tomchek, and uh, we talked about his his ex- first experience at the state of the state. And he said, "Oh, that's I mean, right." Yeah. In in summary, he succinctly said, "It's an hour and a half. I can't get back." Right. Yeah. That's, that that part of that part of your life is gone. Right. Uh, right. That's that's for sure. Not not that listening to Tony Evers isn't the most thrilling experience oh, right. of your life. Right. But I, 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 yeah, yeah. I hope I hope Corey's uh, I, I hope Corey's into the hospital, making sure his ticker is still uh, <laughs> under control after that thrilling oration. But uh, but you know, I mean, it's it's Tony Evers. I mean. Uh, you know, Wisconsin has made some strides, but we, we're, we're still, I mean, the Republican legislature made, you know, investments in infrastructure, uh, authored tax cuts. I mean, I think the number in 12 years is we've saved the taxpayers $22 billion. And uh, public schools have done pretty well by the state. But but the truth of the matter is you got two-thirds of the students in the state that aren't proficient in math and reading. Two-thirds of the kids in Wisconsin aren't proficient in math and reading, and um, and you, you've got economic pressures that are still caused, obviously, by inflation, very serious economic pressures, and you got to get money back. I always say, I was on John Solomon's show in Washington when I was there a couple, couple of weeks ago, and I said, look, the one lesson I've learned from working around the Capitol was when they're uh, too much, there, there's a simple rule. When there's too much money laying around the Capitol, give it back. Get, get it out of Madison because you leave it around Madison and they will spend it. Mm-hmm. So so the cardinal rule is if there's too much money laying around, give it back. Don't sit around figuring out new ways to spend it. Yeah, it's funny that, well, not funny. I mean, because mental health problems are never a joking matter, but I thought it ironic that uh, there that Governor Evers is talking about the amount of money that he wants to allocate towards mental health services, which, again, are good. However, did he ever wonder why perhaps we have a mental health crisis in this state and in this country? It's because of Democrat policies. Right. Yeah, people are stressed out like they never have been before because of the pandemic and because of other issues. And uh, look, you got mental health, you got out of control crime rates. Uh, with the criminal justice system is frankly struggling or under the pressure to deal with them. We got record setting homicides, a 70% increase in homicides, I think just in two years. So the state can do a better job. There is the opportunity to, to do some programming in crime and in mental health, but, but we shouldn't let all this money laying around. Uh, this is not drunken sailor time. We shouldn't let, all this money laying around allow us to go, you know what, let's just spend more and more and more and more until we can't even count it anymore on every wish list item because that's not responsible either. The other thing is, at some point, all that money won't be laying around. And how do you keep all those other things going that you started? So it's a time for you know, you know, making smart decisions and for prudence. It's not a time to go, look at all these zeros on this check. Let's spend it all. 
Well, I guess if I can compliment Democrats on one thing, it's their ability to spend our money, and they most certainly do. And it, just as you said, I I, I agree. I, I I'm wondering if, well, in fact, this is what uh, Senator Tomchek said: is that based on conversations that he had after the state of the state with his colleagues, they seem to feel as if this was more of a budget talk as opposed to a state of the state because he kept referencing all the money, ooh, all the cash he was going to spend. Right. Well, and that's that's a good point. There, there are two major speeches by a governor, and they essentially occur a month apart. One is the state of the state, which is kind of the governor's version of the state of the union. That's that's the speech that the governor gave last night, and that is all, all always seen as kind of a, a pre-event to the to the budget speech, which he will do in a month when he introduces or whatever the date is when uh, he introduces his state budget, and that's where the rubber hits the road. I think the governor kind of showed some ankle, teased it a little bit uh, last night, and that's a bad vision. And uh, uh, teased it last night, and we'll see. They'll be leaking, as governors often do for the next several weeks, they'll be leaking out different things they're going to do in the budget. He did some of it last night, but uh, the rubber will hit the road very, very shortly. And I, I hope the governor does a better job than he did the last four years in terms of working with the legislature. Uh, he basically never met with the Republican leadership. One of the times that he did on the phone, his staff people were secretly tape recording mm-hmm. the conversation, which is just, I don't care which party, whatever, it's just inappropriate. And the governor never apologized for it. But but uh, so there's a trust level that the governor should, needs to and should build with the legislative Republicans. We'll decide if he we'll see if he decides to do so. Didn't secret recordings get a Republican president impeached in our history? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the rumor. Uh, that's yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm not old enough to remember that, of course. But, oh, of course uh, not. But <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm curious the the double standard that we continue to see among Democrats and Republic. Well, among Democrats, yeah. I should say, and and how they how they treat Republicans. It's just a different set of rules. You know, I did also yeah, sure. read that. Uh, Evers took a swipe at the, the Walker administration, and so, you know it's it's funny. I mean, he's been gov. He can no longer blame Walker for whatever it is that uh, ails Wisconsin, right. but he he continues to do so. He talked about well, I mean, I li- I guess he likes to say crumbling roads. H- has that has that been resolved in in its entirety? That that he can he can actually take a swipe at at uh, Walker and say nope, I took care of it. Yeah, well, considering when Scott Walker came into office, he inherited a $3.6 billion budget deficit uh, from Governor Doyle. I don't I don't think <laughs> who, 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 who uh, Tony Evers supported wholeheartedly. So I don't think Governor Evers is anyone to talk about fiscal stewardship. And secondly, <clears throat> excuse me, on the last budget, remember the Republicans offered a pretty good budget last time. The governor spent weeks blasting away on it. And then they passed it, and he didn't veto it. He signed it. He signed tax and all that other stuff that Republicans wanted the budget. He signed it into law. So Tony Evers is no original thinker when it comes to figuring out budget problems in Wisconsin. You know, one other thing that uh, Senator Tomchek said is that, well, uh, Tony, again, made a swipe at uh, the Walker administration by uh, citing poorly performing schools and and Corey said he had to he had to uh, stifle 
has laughed because at the time he was D, uh, Evers was DPI uh, secretary or superintendent. So right. here, here we have someone who is criticizing the public schools in Wisconsin, and he himself was perhaps responsible for whatever it is that he's he's blaming on Walker. Well, it's always been the case uh, here, and certainly with Tony Evers. Look, the Democrats in the legislature know that Tony Evers isn't a strong governor. And unfortunately, the Republicans are just a couple of votes short uh, of being able to override him uh, uh, and having a supermajority and override him on some of the big issues. So he's still got the veto pen. He's still governor. He can still stifle the legislature on any number of issues, not just budget issues, but uh, you know, election integrity, schools, crime, all these other things. So Evers, as weak as he is, is still strong because we have a strong governorship in Wisconsin. The governor is the veto pen and can veto whatever the legislature sends him and has enough Democrats in the legislature to uphold those vetoes. And that's why elections have serious consequences, as we all are reminded with uh, four more years of Evers. So, well, in the up- upcoming elections has serious consequences. Right. And- Again, with the segue, perfect. And uh, that's what I wanted to conclude our, our conversation with is it, we can't stop talking about, we, we have to continue to talk about this state Supreme Court election and how critical it really is. Yeah, it, it is it, it is getting highlighted. When I was in D.C. a couple of weeks ago and spoke to Grover Norquist group, our friend Grover Norquist from Americans for Tax Reform. And that that group is wall-to-wall conservative groups. Uh, and um, I he, Grover asked me to speak when I was in D.C. at the event and, and just kind of walked through the list of threats here by uh, Supreme Court in the spring uh, in that April election. Not just April, but February 21st uh, as well. February 21st is people mark your calendars. February 21st is the primary, and April 4th is the general. You have a four-way primary on February 21st with two conservatives, Dan Kelly and Jennifer Darrow, and two liberals. The Democrats are trying very, very hard right now, and that's why I say mark your calendar for February 21st as well. They're trying very, very hard to squeeze both liberals through that primary. It's not a partisan primary, so whoever the top two vote-getters are. So number one, make sure you vote February 21st. But number two, presuming a conservative gets through, which you can't, but but uh, we will face the extinction of all the Act 10 reforms. Frankly, I, I suspect at least a partial extinction of concealed carry, uh, of, uh, of voter ID, of other election security measures of pro-life measures that are currently on the books. I think that's one of the major misconceptions about this April. Everyone thinks it's prospective, but no, a liberal court, if we lose this Supreme Court seat to one of the liberals, a liberal court will be able to go back and dial back, if not completely eliminate, all the good things that we've done in the conservative movement in the last 20 years. School choice. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So I don't, this is as important, to me, this is as important as this past November elections. I mean, this this would be Ron Johnson losing the election times 10. That's how bad it would be. And Ron Johnson would be the first person to tell you that. Yeah, well, and 
that's why we, uh, our listeners and, and all conservatives, all concerned conservatives in the state really have to roll up their sleeves and get involved. And, and it, it, the message on this past Saturday was it's not, it's never enough. I've said this now for a couple of years. It's never enough to just go vote yourself. You need to gather up 20 other people that perhaps you would not have, have, uh, interacted with in the past to get to explain to them first of all how important this election is and then and then also to get them out to the polls well or vote absentee which is another option right in fact i'll 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 give you an example of this i had a republican text me yesterday a screenshot of what one of his family members who's on some dem list uh got a message from their county party so this was texted by the dem county party saying, hi, request your absentee ballot now at myvote.wi.gov for the spring elections and vote for Judge Janet Protozawitz or Judge Everett Mitchell in the must-vote primary to protect women's rights and fair maps for voters. They're doing it. And it was from the Walworth County Dems. So they're shotgunning turnout. They don't care. They're just like, vote for one of the two liberals, Protozawitz or Mitchell. And and they're doing that because they want to increase turnout on February 21st. They do that. We could get squeezed out of that primary and have no conservative on the ballot in April 4th. Yeah, so it's so critical. That's why early voting is critical. Well, and and I will say this too, Brian, now that you have that text, uh, or I I presume it's a text or an email, uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that the RPW does something similar. I mean, I think we're all going to need yep. to to be sending that kind of. I mean, whatever it takes, geofencing. You're you're at the your local uh, hardware store, wherever you are. I, whatever it takes, we got to get people yep. to vote. And uh, and and uh, um, traditionally, this is spring elections are not a, a high turnout, and a lot of people are on spring break. So that's why you got to take care of the voting beforehand and you got to make sure that those who don't traditionally vote we got to get them out and voting absentee as well yeah the left is counting on us either not to vote or not to vote early and as i've been saying in interviews either nationally or in the state uh we we cannot keep going into election day 200,000 votes down because they get their people to vote early and expect to make it up in 13 hours it just at some point it stops working, and we're at that point now. We've seen it in past elections, uh, so we, this is not really a choice in my mind. And I'm an election day voter generally. I, I am too, but I'm going to vote early this time to help set an example. I think Ron Johnson's going to do so as well. Me too. Other members in the delegation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that uh, Democrats. Well, we'll try to count on is the infighting in the Republican Party, and we gotta yep, let it go. No we gotta let it go, and we gotta just uh, whichever your candidate is, whether it's Justice Kelly or Judge Doro, we gotta get out in in high numbers to vote for the two of them, either one of those two. So, well, hey, yeah, Brian and, Shimming, thank you. You got anything else, quick? Uh, no, no, it's just uh, a lot to do, but we can get it done if, if people stay unified and, and vote early and do what it takes to win. We will win, but but it's up to us. Absolutely. Well, hey, all the best to you. I'm not uh, 
I, I'm not going to say I'm not envious about you being, well, California stinks, but it's warm, so at least you got that going. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be 70 out here this week, so we'll see. All right. <laughs> well, take care. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Have a great day. You too. Chairman of the Republican Party, Brian Schimming. We'll be right back. Uh, rolling right into the 830 news, followed by the second half of feedback and your calls, 715-845-2155. <laughs>